Well, good morning. So we are picking up today where we left off last week after the video, of course, came to an abrupt end. And uh, today I have my video producer, Laura, who will be watching the, uh, the, the video screen to make sure that... Uh, She's been promoted? She has. Uh, it's it's an unpaid promotion, um, but, uh, <coughs> you know. Yeah. Good morning, Lorna. Morning. Do you have your hearing device? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Um, today. Yep, okay, good. So we're going to pick up today in 1 Samuel 21, and I thought, you know, I usually kind of give some pithy comment about what I, I would say if I were to title today's lesson, what it would be. And again, today will not disappoint. I think that, uh, I think today we're going to talk about this title of, so you think your life is complicated. <laughs> and uh, maybe the Sunday before our election in the U.S., this is probably a very apt title um, as we go through the scripture. And in fact, I think we'll just start with the scripture and then um, pick it up from there. So as always, I would ask for volunteers. Today we're going to do 1 Samuel chapter 21. We're going to read the entire thing. And today the chapters are not uh, backbreaking by any means, and so this should be fairly straightforward. We'll do uh, verses 1 to 15. Who would like to do that for me? Okay. Thank you, ma'am. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered, Ahimelech, the priest. The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have themselves have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set up. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecra consecrated bread, since there was no bread uh, there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doug the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David said to him, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. That day David fled from Saul and went to Ashish, king of Gath. But the servants of Ashish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Ashish, king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Ashish said to the servants, look at the man, he is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Thank you. Well, what do you all take away from this? David's just trying to survive. David is trying to survive. Why is he a knob? 
Is it for the reasons that he said? Negatory. Negatory, <laughs> good buddy. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, 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 David. Bless your heart. The last chapter, he found out that Saul was definitely trying to kill him. He had come yes. from Jonathan. Yep. So now he's on the run. He's on the run. This is a total lie. <clears throat> he is not on a secret mission from Saul. He didn't just run out in the middle of the night because his king told him to and didn't happen to take any of his weapons or men or armor or anything else with him. This is two lies right in a row. Bless Ahimelech's heart <laughs> for believing it. Uh, and maybe he didn't. Um, you know, you don't get to be high priest and, and be a complete naive person, but there is, there is some evidence of naivete here. David is lying. And... And his lies, and, and my other point today, I could, have, I could have made a different title for today, is there is no such thing as a consequence-free lie. And sometimes the lies you think are the best kind to give, that is, well, it's for the greater good, can actually end up being the worst kind of lies you can tell of all. In this case, it will lead to the complete destruction of every man, woman, and child in one of Israel's own cities. <clears throat> so here is David. Before the high priest, what else do you, you notice in this chapter? Well, is he the high priest? That's what okay. I so Ahimelech is the great-grandson of Eli? Great or great-great? He's, he's, he's a descendant of Eli. Um, <clears throat> Jesus will actually refer to this in the New Testament as the period of the priesthood of Abimelech, which is... Um, uh, another relative of, Ahim of Ahimelech, his son. <clears throat> but you would think that because he went to Ahimelech, Ahimelech is the, is the guy in charge. Um, and he's in, he's in Nob. Now, Nob? What do you mean, Nob? Where was the tabernacle before the Philistines attacked during the life of Samuel? Where was the tabernacle and the ark and the, presumably the Ten Commandments? And all of the sacrifices going on, what town was that happening in? Shiloh. Shiloh. Right. That was in Shiloh, hence the X. <laughs> uh, at this point, it's presumed that after the Ark is captured by the Philistines who were over here, the very next thing that they did was they went to Shiloh and they burned it to the ground. And it's not entirely clear what happens to the tabernacle? It's presumed that because the Israelites saw the writing on the wall, they very quickly hurried and, and gathered up the tabernacle, which again was a tent, a semi-permanent tent structure, meant to house the, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the altar, um, and then various other uh, utensils and tools used in worshiping Yahweh, which is all spelled out in the Pentateuch. Shiloh has probably been destroyed at this point, and so it seems as though all of that priestly infrastructure has been reconstituted in Nob. Nob, very interestingly, is right outside of Jerusalem. In fact, this might be even too far. It's, it's said that Nob is actually on the north side of the Mount of Olives. So that's how close the tabernacle is at this period to Jerusalem, its eventual home, at least the home of the temple. What is the showbread? Does anyone remember what that is? No, it's not a Christmas treat. They were supposed to put, they were supposed to put, keep 
showbread out for the remembrance of the manna. Is that yes. right? Mm -hmm. So here's our temple. Yes, you're, you're on the right track here. Um, <clears throat> so here's our temple. And we'll say this is the Holy of Holies with the Ark. So, yeah, you're on the right track here. This is, this is spelled out in the law of Deuteronomy uh, and Exodus, I believe, um, <clears throat> that this is an offering to, to Yahweh. And the priests were instructed every week to bake 12 loaves of bread as a, as a food offering to Yahweh. Now, this may seem weird to us. This may seem kind of like ancient or archaic, but that was the law. Um, Yahweh demanded a food offering. And so these 12 loaves of bread, which each loaf would be baked with five, over five pounds of flour. So that's a big loaf. So it's got nothing to do with the manna. Uh, well, you cannot. You can. Yeah, I, you, I, you know, I like to. I like bad. to make you feel good. You won't make me feel bad. It's okay. You'll, I like to make you feel up. good. Um, <clears throat> the the manna was probably presumably kept in, in a jar in the ark, but uh, but you were close. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll humor you, and then I'll get more response. So that's what I'm trying to do: is not restrict the response. No stupid answers. So we will have twelve. 12 loaves of bread in two rows placed on this table by the priests. Now, they would bake it and replace the bread that was there every Sabbath, which was what day of the week? Saturday. Saturday. And they would take the old bread and they were allowed to eat it. So remember that the priestly class here has a lot of benefits. One of those is to be able to partake in the offerings represented to Yahweh. One of those is to eat the showbread. <clears throat> This is a Sabbath. It's a new Sabbath. Fresh, hot, delicious bread has been placed onto this table. Um, <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Menorah or lampstand is on the opposite side of the room. So here's our bread. Show it's the bread of presence or presentation. Show bread. <clears throat> And then somewhere in here would be an altar of incense, which would look probably kind of like a little, little Ark of the Covenant. Um, <clears throat> day and night, well, I will say this. The bread is sitting there for a whole week by itself, smelling delicious. The incense is burned at least twice a day, for, and maybe more than that, during each one of kind of the ritual um, uh, uh, you know, events every day. There was at least two or three daily events where the priests would come in and have their daily prayers and they would burn the incense on this, on this incense altar, and it would smell delicious. Well, I don't know. It probably smelled horrible. Who knows? And then every evening, from sundown to sunup, they would burn oil in the lampstand. Of course, this, this lamp had kosher or um, uh, uh, pure, pure oil that had been blessed by the priests. And this is, of course, where we get our Hanukkah tradition, because they needed that oil to be blessed, and it needed to be pure and, and holy. <clears throat> that would burn at night. And so you got all this stuff going on here. Well, here comes David, and he comes, you know, kind of crashing into town. He's like, I need food. I need food for me and my men, and we're starving to death. And, and we go through this whole thing. <clears throat> and it has to be, uh, of course, stated that this is holy. This is not something that just people would show up and be like, I'm hungry, give me some bread. Okay, you're going to have the show bread. This was intended for the priests. And now, of course, there's some controversy of whether David actually ate the old bread or he ate the new bread. <clears throat> I think it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter because it's all the same thing. This is very, very special bread that's only meant for Yahweh and the priests. But here, David gets to eat it in the New Testament. 
Jesus uses this as a great example of putting mercy above ritual. And I think that's our, our takeaway, one of our takeaways for today. It doesn't matter what kind of rules or laws that you put down. In the end, God is more concerned with mercy. But that's, you know, we can, we can talk more about that. So he eats it. He eats it to stay alive, even though he lied twice about why he was there. What else do you notice about this passage? What a coincidence, uh. which I don't really believe in coincidences, but that Goliath's sword just happens to be right where David kind of needs the sword. Don't you love these complete <coughs> accidents? Why was it there? I mean, aside from what you're getting at, why would Goliath's sword be in the temple or in the tabernacle? Symbol of a great victory of the Lord. Yes. Yes, this is exactly it, Rodney. This is exactly it. The Israelites want to honor God for his victory. You remember that uh, earlier after David defeats Goliath, he takes some of his stuff back to his, his own tent and he's got, he's got it for a while. But it sounds like at some point it ends up that the sword is here. But what does that tell you about how the Israelites saw that victory? The Lord's victory. The Lord's victory. Gosh, maybe the Israelites aren't so bad after all. <laughs> maybe they've got something together here. And then, so what are you getting at, Laura, when you say that, wasn't that a coincidence? Why do you say that? Well, I just think that, you know, God... <laughs> you know David didn't know it was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, there's the coincidence. Like Laura said, God mm -hmm. was leading him where mm -hmm. to go. Great. And what's he going to do? And we'll read that a little bit later. Like, but, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. in our human mind, I think that he was the rightful owner of the sword. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. he's the one who conquered. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, really, God conquered Goliath. But yeah. in our minds, mm -hmm. like, you know, <coughs> you're the one who goes and conquers someone, then you get their spoils, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's know. it. That's it. I'm wondering what good this sword would do David because the thing is so big that it's kind of true, right? normal people couldn't use it anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Well, Here, you hold this. There isn't anything other like it, right? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> yes. Cut off his head. Yeah, I mean, it might be a, you know, a token of, hey, here I am with it in uh -huh. my hands again. Okay, that's, wh that's <clears throat> what I want to get at. I want to get at that, which is the last part here. He goes, where does David end up at the end of this chapter? It's not on your map, but it's yeah, Gath. It one of the, oh, it is. Okay, I can't can't read. What is? I know. Yep. Yeah, it's one of their five major cities. This is this is Philistine territory here, folks. Where was Goliath a champion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he's got to figure out how to hide this sword. No, 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 no. He's not hiding not it. He's not hiding it. He yeah, walks, you better believe, he walks into town with that thing, yeah. I don't know how it was strapped to his body. <laughs> right? Dude walks in. I gotta give David points for either complete stupidity or total guts. <laughs> he walks into town with that freaking thing strapped to his, what is his, what is his message to the king of Gath, to Akish? What is his message walking into town with that so thing? It's, uh, <laughs> I am the, your conqueror. Yeah. Now I'm here. And I'm here. I, and I'm crazy. He was afraid. 
says yeah. he was afraid of what, the When did he become afraid? When did he become afraid? It wasn't until Akish said something. Well, he's by himself at this point. He doesn't have anybody with him. That's, we're not sure about that, but you can be sure that he didn't have a big entourage if he had anyone with him. Because he had some men with him at the, at the tabernacle. But what is he coming into town? It's only after... Uh, wait a minute, a, yeah, wait go a ahead. Just so you know, yep. if you believe that he did, then mm -hmm. you're believing a guy who's already just told three lies because he doesn't mm -hmm. leave mm -hmm. Saul's presence with men mm -hmm. and it doesn't say that he's got them and now the liar mm -hmm. who's just told three lies says, oh yeah, I've got men. That's why I need the bread. Oh yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I think, I, I know what you're getting at. I think we're going down the wrong path. I think this is, this is the wrong thing to argue. I think the point here is that he shows up in the, the heart of the enemy's territory, making a very clear message that I'm here and I, I, I defeated your champion and I need help and I want you to help me. But what does is, what is Akish actually say? He goes, wait a minute, isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one? That said, Saul is slain his thousands and David is ten thousand. So now, David took these words to heart. Suddenly, Akish is recognizing what David probably didn't want him to recognize. That he may be the guy in charge now. What is Akish thinking? Remember to think about in antiquity. I want you to think about this. This was common. To give aid and comfort to the enemy of my enemy. Exactly. Yeah, David is a, like a defector, and if you're an enemy of Saul, you're a friend of me. I could not say that any better. Yeah. Look at this great opportunity that just came walking into my town. Look what he did <clears throat> to our, our giant. Now we got him on our side. <clears throat> yes. Now suddenly the tables are turned. David, instead of walking into town being like, I'm the hot you-know-what, I want you to do what I want you to do. Suddenly the tables are reversed. Akish is going, ah, I'm going to have this guy do what I want for me and use him against my great enemy, Saul. Those are, okay, I don't, maybe it's not a big deal. Yep. Oh, the servants are singing that or saying that, not the king himself. Maybe the king hasn't. I think the king has heard what the servants and what the people yes. are saying of David. Yes. Remember in, in the uh, 10th century BC, we don't have Twitter. We don't have the Des Moines Register. We don't have the New York Times. We don't have the NBC Nightly News. What do we have? We have people, common people, who spread sayings like wildfire. This is getting around, dude. Saul, Saul's heard this. Rumor, rumor is very powerful, very powerful. The king of Philistia has heard it. What does that tell you about it? And what is that telling you about the people's view of David at this point? Well, it makes you understand Saul's point of view more yes. because Saul, like, you know, we kind of assume that like no one really knows that David is king, but no, this is showing like a lot of people are like, no, David yeah. is the king. And so Saul knows this and he's like, wait a minute, I've got to hold on to my power. Mm -hmm. the, the priest even recognized that because because if you look in verse 5, David, the priest said, here's the rule, and David's the one that, can, that says, yeah, but because of this, this, and this, it's okay, so I'm going to take it. And 
clearly the priest lets him. Mm -hmm. So David's got cachet with everybody. See, this is the thing. The people love David. And everybody knows yep. he's the next guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think everybody knows by this time. Let me put it to you this way. Um, the 10th century BC, people are not waiting for November 3rd for an election. Right. People are not um, <clears throat> waiting for the approved anointing of Saul's son to be the next king. Who is king in the 10th century BC? Whoever the people are paying attention to. And whoever has what? The most what? Cachet. Clout. Power. Power. And this is why the Power. Philistine king became a little nervous. Yes. It, it went from, all right, we got the star quarterback huh. to, wait a second, this guy might be taking over my spot, and what happens to me when he comes in? I, yes. I get the, that Goliath <laughs> sword gets wielded at me. Isn't that something? And there's no better symbol of that, Steve, than Goliath's sword. So then David goes into his pretending to be crazy because for some reason at this this time in history yeah. they kind of left crazy people alone. You have to see that David must know what he's doing here. Now in us, if if someone acted crazy, you know, they kick him right out of town, throw him throw him in the in the clink or something like that. I don't know. David knows what he's doing. He starts to act insane. He starts to act crazy. And so what does Akish say? I love this line, verse fourteen. What does he say? Do I not have enough of my own madness? Yes, I love this. <laughs> I like a quiche. <laughs> I like a quiche. Good. Good, good, good. He also follows that up with that you brought this guy to play the madman. It's almost mm -hmm. like he knows David's faking too. Mm -hmm. And maybe he's going to just let it go because he's like, eh, I got this guy and maybe I can use this. I think everybody just kind of realizes if we leave the status quo where it's at, then everybody will be better off. Mm -hmm. if, we, if I don't try to exert something over David, and if David doesn't mm -hmm. try to exert something over me, you know, I mean, everybody's kind of... It's like, a tenth standoff, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like that. <clears throat> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Everyone be cool. Let's see where this goes. I think in this chapter, there's a lack of any sort of recording of David seeking out God's... Mm -hmm wisdom or direction so we don't know that he has or hasn't gotten it you know we're not really privy to i like to make this comment and, and it's probably super annoying the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence in the bible right so what I is it yeah and, and usually what I, I take to mean by that is you have a very thin fragmented historical record of the people of god and just because it doesn't mention things specific things doesn't mean they didn't exist at the time. It just means they weren't talked about. However, I will say the one caveat I probably have about that entire statement has to do with the most important one of all is this. I think when people, it's, it, when the Bible fails to mention people seeking God, I think that's on purpose. I think that is probably the one and only um, case that, that proves uh, the rule. And that is, I agree 100% with you, Laura. I don't see any evidence that anyone was going to God here to say, what do you want me to do? What should I do? What is your, what is your counsel that you're seeking? And, and someone looks at that and goes, that stands way out. You don't see David going to God and asking. You don't see the priests of Nob going to God and asking. Uh, you certainly don't see a quiche, a, a pagan Philistine going to God. Instead, you see these people lying and acting human and acting in their own self-preservation, their own self-interest. I don't think that's a mistake. 
Well, life can start flying at you so fast that you forget. Yeah. It's not something you do intentionally. And I think Daniel's a really good example yeah. of that. Is that you know, it's specifically mentioned three times mm -hmm. a day. That means he did it exactly at the same time every single day, right? And if you get out of those habits and life starts flying at you pretty fast, it's not that you're intending to forget God. It's just that you do. Hey. We can, we can look at this guy and be like, very condescending, right? Like, David, you're such an idiot, right? What, what If we were in that situation, who knows what I would have said, right? Great point taken there. Anything else on chapter 21? I think as we'll find mm -hmm. later, um, you know, some of David's little, little lies, mm -hmm. which in this chapter don't seem like a very big deal at all, you'll see the consequences later yep. of one of these little lies with the priests and mm -hmm. 85 people getting executed. Yep. Um, yep. So I guess if you can spin that to what do we get out of that mm -hmm. is you, know, you might think something's a little lie when yep. you tell it, no big deal. Mm -hmm. You don't know the ramifications of that, and to, you know, from God's perspective, a lie is a lie is a lie. It's wrong. I love this, and and think of this too. I think humans are also very in the moment. Okay, I have a stupid. St I'm going to admit something publicly. I shouldn't. Um, <clears throat> so my cousin lived on an acreage, and they lived next to a a livestock field in which there was an electric fence that ran the perimeter of the field. Well. To this day, I have never seen a single animal in that field. And um, usually the house was unoccupied. Um, it was on the market being sold day after day. And so I literally thought the place was abandoned, what have you. So me and my cousin, and I'm in high school, I'm an idiot. I'm out there, and we're just screwing around, being dumb, dumb teenagers. And we're talking about this fence. And why is this fence here if there's no cattle, no livestock, it's probably old. And I'm like, look, and obviously it's not on. And I touch it to show my cousin, because I'm a big brave guy, right? I'm like, look, see, touch, touch, nothing there. So I'm holding it, saying, and you know, and that's when it got me. <laughs> It was on, and I didn't know that apparently these things pulse. They pulse sometimes. Apparently, maybe they don't all do this. This one was pulsing. It wasn't constantly energized, but every once in a while it would zap itself, and I felt that, and I'll tell you, now I know what a defibrillator feels like. Uh, I know what it's like to be tased. Uh, it's not pleasant. Um, but this is the thing, isn't it? That human beings are exactly like this. We're like, that's dangerous, huh? Ah, see, there's no, and then it gets you. Then it gets you. What am I, what is the point I'm trying to make here? A, do not touch electric fences. <laughs> uh, B, the problem is humans are kind of like this. We, we tempt fate all the time and we tempt danger. And in the moment, it's very easy for us to go, oh, I'm not getting hurt now. We're all good. I think the little lies that we tell are like this. We seem to think that the lies have some kind of immediate effect. If it's going to be bad, we'll find out. And, and, and even to our own actions, this extends beyond lies. Any kind of immoral action we take, we kind of assume that if we don't see the ramifications and, and damage from that immediately, then we're off the hook. And maybe even worse than off the hook, maybe it's a good thing. Well, maybe it was good that I told this little lie to protect myself. Look, I got to eat. I got to, to be safe for the night. Um, my men eight, right? But to Steve's point, what happens here? Turns out that fence was on. 
that fence was, was energized and pretty soon a whole lot of people are gonna suffer because of it. Okay. Let's move on to chapter 22. Let's read the whole thing. That'll be one, two, 23. Who would like to read that for me? I can. Thank you. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and other relatives heard that he was there, they went to see him. Everyone who was in trouble or who owed money or who was unsatisfied gathered around David and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mitzpah in Moab and spoke to the king of Moab. He said, please let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God is going to do for me. So he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him as long as David was hiding in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, don't stay in the stronghold, go to the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. <coughs> Saul heard that David and his men had been seen. Saul was sitting under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, and all his officers were standing around him. He had a spear in his hand. Saul said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin, do you think the son of Jesse will give all of you fields and vineyards? Will David make you commanders over thousands of men or hundreds of men? You have all made plans against me. No one tells me when my son makes an agreement with the son of Jesse. No one cares about me. No one tells me when my son has encouraged my servant to ambush me this very day. Doeg the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's officers, said, I saw the son of Jesse. He came to see Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, at Nob. Ahimelech prayed to the Lord for David and gave him food and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and for all of Ahimelech's relatives who were priests at Nob. And they all came to see the king. Saul said to Ahimelech, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Ahimelech said, answered, Yes, master. Saul said, Why are you and Jesse's son against me? You gave him bread and a sword? You prayed to God for him? David has turned against me and is waiting to attack me even now. Ahimelech answered, You have no other servant who is as loyal as David, your own son-in-law and captain of your bodyguards. Everyone in your house respects him. That was not the first time I prayed to God for David. Don't blame me or any of my relatives. I, your servant, know nothing about what is going on. But the king said, Ahimelech, you and all your relatives must die. Then he told the guards at his side, Go and kill the priests of the Lord, because they are on David's side. They knew he was running away, but they didn't tell me. But the king's officers refused to kill the priests of the Lord. Then the king ordered Doeg, Go and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite went and killed the priests. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen holy vest. He also killed the people of Nob, the city of the priests. With the sword he killed men, women, children, babies, cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But Abathar, son of Ahimelech, who was the son of Atub, escaped. He ran away and joined David. He told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. Then David told him, Doeg the Edomite was there at Nob that day. I knew he would surely tell Saul, so I am responsible for the death of your fa all your father's family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you also wants to kill me. You will be safe with me. <clears throat> two things that stick out to me. Only two. Okay. Uh, well, just real quick. <laughs> First of all, David must have called on the Lord because it says there in um, verse 10, it says, and he of the Lord for him. So that's the first thing. 
Second thing is, is that verse 22 is, this is the reason I believe David was, cons- was called a man after God's heart. Because when faced with the reality of what he had done, he never pointed a finger at somebody else. Yeah, he looked in it. the mirror and said, it. it is on me. This is it. And that is, and that is integrity at the highest standard. <clears throat> and who is, who is not doing this? Lie. Yep, who is not doing this? Saul. Yes, the king of Israel. And yeah, in fact, the whole thing is like, you have done this to me, and you've done this to me, and yep. you've done this to me. That the whole chapter is just full of blame, blame, blame. Yeah. Not, hey, I've screwed it up yep. here. What does God want you to do? Not point the finger. Look in the mirror, folks. Look in the mirror. I agree 100% with this. Man after God's own heart. Thor Ragnarok, actually. <laughs> 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 because, uh, you know... Hera shows up and she wants to take over the kingdom and um, all the king's guards are like we're not going to follow you like you're crazy Mm -hmm. but then there's this random dude who decides no I'll go and kill people oh wow this is good Laura I never thought of this kind of what happened with Saul like his own bodyguards knew that killing priests was wrong they knew and they were like no we're not going to you're not doing what God wants you to do and so he finds this random Doeg guy. No, not random. Who I mean, is random, who is he yeah. from? He is one of the he is one of the sworn enemies of Israel. Big surprise, Saul got him to do it. This is huge, folks, and I love this analogy. <laughs> or Ragnarok. I love it. Love it. Love it. But and also that Doeg, you know. He's only supposed to kill the priests, and he goes and kills every single person and all and their animals. animals. What <laughs> is this an ironical twist of fate from? Who was Saul told to wipe out and didn't? Yeah. Do you remember this a few chapters mm-hmm. earlier? AI. The Amalekites. God told Saul, you go to the Amalekite city and you wipe every single thing out. You take nothing for yourself. You kill every man, woman, and child, destroy their livestock, burn it to the ground. And what did Saul do? He spared them. He spared them. But today, today, Saul has decided to do that very thing to his own city. To his own city, folks. And he, instead of like, you know, the kings were kind of supposed to go out in battle. Yeah. That's where David gets in trouble later, is yeah. he doesn't go out in battle like he's supposed to. And so, but Saul, he's just like sending out <laughs> other people to do what he yeah. rightfully should be leading mm-hmm. them to do, if mm-hmm. that's what he wants. Oh, no, he's cool. He's under a tamarisk tree. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. With he's cool. Spear. Yeah, with a spear. He looks tough. <laughs> I was. I just almost started to laugh when I saw that yeah. he had a spear in his yeah. hand. He seems to have a spear in his hand all the time to kind of Don't make mess with him. feel like... Look, throw it at I'm you. a warrior. I think Saul's just scared yeah. someone's going to come after him because yeah. he doesn't trust yes. anybody around him because he said, you've all planned against me. If you see uh, Gladiator, I know, I talk about Gladiator. I love Gladiator, the movie. I'm sorry. I think it's great. This is partially based on history. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, the, the, the great Roman, well, not great, in some ways terrible, Roman emperor who, who preceded him, um, <clears throat> a man of peace and, of course, a, a, a Christian um, persecutor. But his son, Commodus, ends up being exactly like Saul. Reality, it seems, is very much like the movie in the sense that Commodus starts um, with the support of his, of his troops and the support of the people, but things turn terrible. And by the end of Commodus' reign, he thinks everyone is out to get him. 
He literally sits in his own throne chamber with a weapon in his hand saying, I'm ready for the next person to come who's going to kill me because I think everyone's out to get me. He went paranoid. I think in some ways Saul is commodus here. Saul is deathly afraid. He thinks everyone's... This is like Stalin, right? In the, in the last days, Stalin thought everyone was out to get him and, and had these terrible purges against his own people. Millions of his own people were killed because he thought they were all out to get him. And maybe by the end they were, ironically. Well, but see, that's the thing. Is that, that's the difference. Yeah. Is that you never look at wh why are people out to get me. Yeah. They just, you just say, you're out to get me. There you and go. That's where, you know, it's, it starts from here rather than backing up and saying, okay, what has caused this to happen? Maybe I would challenge that is to say, do they really not know? And maybe in some cases they don't. I, I just, again, mm -hmm. if you want to, I believe that one of Jesus' big, big principles that he based so many things on was self-responsibility. Yeah. Don't worry about the speck in that, that person's eye. That, Get the log out of your own. That, um, what, what difference does it make to you if I pay these workers? Yeah. Um, you know what? You, you made the deal. What, what difference? And it's just, the, it's just full of this kind of stuff. So when somebody doesn't mm -hmm. choose to evaluate mm -hmm. evaluate their entitlement mentality, yeah. I guess they're, they're uh, I mean, this is this is what you left with. Who could David have blamed here? And and maybe as a human, you go, he would be right to blame them. Who could have David blamed for the massacre at Nob? Doeg. Doeg first. And Saul. Saul. He could blame all kinds of people. That's it. That's it. God. Doesn't, doesn't so. He couldn't blame. Who said that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Gold star. Oh, he did it like I do it. He did the heart for you. <laughs> James is ready to teach. What did, what did he say? I didn't hear. Who, who is the number one person that he could have blamed? God. He could have blamed God. Now, who? Doesn't that strike you to the heart? Doesn't that strike you to the heart? How many of us have blamed God when things have gone wrong in our lives that maybe we were responsible for? I have. You know, it looks like, though, that David doesn't complain whenever he has to go somewhere, run away. Yeah. He doesn't say, God, why are you making me do this? Yeah. But doesn't Saul know that he's not going to be stay as king? Oh, yeah. It's already been told okay. to him. So, yep. so he's... He's just kind of living his own life, not going to God for anything. And maybe this is a man who now has nothing to lose, right? So, so the most dangerous man of all is, is the man who has nothing to lose. A man without hope is a man without fear. That's Daredevil, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Dude, we got it all today. Gladiator. A man without hope is a man without fear. I, I, told, I believe this, Tim. I believe that, that Saul has gotten to the point where he's like, well, I got nothing left to lose, so I'm going to burn it all down. Well, he's just like, i got to grasp on the power yeah. as long as I can Got to hold on to it. You know who else is, is, is uh, missing in this is Paul's advisors, or not Paul, Saul's mm -hmm. advisors and Israel's elders. Um, nobody's coming saying, hey, Saul, you shouldn't really go this direction. So they've all <coughs> kind of taken a step back, it appears, and... You know, part of what God warned Israel about having a king is here you've got this this king who's now become a tyrant. He's off killing innocent people. Yep. He's, you know, going crazy. And this is the mess you've got. 
I believe, and I might be wrong for saying this because I like to hope in people, the majority of the German population in the 1930s and 40s did not support the killing of Jews. I believe that. I believe it was a minority. However, however, people only have the power that is given to them by others. You have no power on your own, folks. I'm sorry to say, no, no one in this room or on this planet Earth has any kind of inherent power. You have only that power that has been granted to you, either by God and or by other human beings. Plenty of people could have come forward during the Holocaust to say, this is wrong, we have to stop this. We have to stand up for what we believe. Why didn't they? Fear. Self-preservation. What is one of the most powerful, <coughs> non-godly things that rules human action? Mm -hmm. Fear. <laughs> I mean, that leads you to lie. Hopeless, and, and, you know. Yes. Yeah. Saul's always standing around with a spear in his hand. I'm not going to say anything to him. That's it. I don't want to die. Yeah. He I just don't want my family to die. Priests killed. Yeah, who am I that he isn't going to stick a spear through? And yeah, he's killing the, the men of God. Yeah. There's never a shortage of people that will take your side. I mean, even <clears throat> even at the beginning here, it's talking about David being in the cave, and then all of a sudden, all these, you know, whatever they were, the people in debt, discontented. All these people started coming around, joining in on, hey, this is, what was me too, you know, I got this guy that's mad at me. And, mm -hmm. and the same with, with Saul then, he looks at his leaders and he says, hey, go kill these people. Yeah. And they go, nope. And he's like, oh, how about you? You know, there's never any shortage of people that will join, no matter which side you're on. Yep. And I, and I hate to say <laughs> this, and I, I'm probably parsing hairs here, but... The, 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 the military leaders have already committed an act of treason. They have. They have refused to carry out an order of their king, their commander-in-chief, by not killing the priests. I mean, I guess I'm dumb, and I, I put my, and of course I'm being hypocritical, saying why didn't they do this, but at that point, all the power was now in the military. The, the, the military had, a, had, a, had essentially, all of his officials had just essentially committed a coup, <coughs> folks. At that point, it would have been very easy for them to say, no, grab that guy Doeg and don't let him do this. Yeah, they didn't go but protect him. But they didn't. They didn't. It ain't on my, it's not on my, as long as I don't do it, I don't care if, who kills him. It's kind of amazing how we decide what we're going to do and not do. It really is. And again, I say it gets back to this. Something inside of them told them, this is not right, we shouldn't do this. Something inside of them told us, David is the true king, this is the man we should be following. But what happened in the end? Their lack of activity, their lack of action caused a great horror. Your lack of intervention. Can lead to equally horrible things. I know that's a negative statement and it's probably controversial and you may hate that statement. It's true. If you have the ability to intervene in something that is wrong, your lack of intervening in it doesn't make you any better than the people doing it. I'm sorry if that strikes you to the heart and you hate this and you're never coming back. It's true. Those people that day had the opportunity to save the priests of Israel. Folks, this isn't just a bunch of like, you know, and, and not to be contrary about it, a bunch of peasants, right? But not just the priest, because it said he yeah. killed men, then women, he goes on. children, and babies. 
like doesn't end there. Yeah, he kills the whole town. He wipes it out. Annihilation of his own town. All right. So he does what Saul was supposed to do. Yes. Yes. But against Israelites, not against yeah, right. Their the own people. Infant. Their own people. This is a this is a critical time for the church, folks. God is sovereign. Make no mistake about it. Um, <clears throat> forces, dark forces, are allied against us. Forces who have openly admitted that they are enemies of the church, are enemies of God, and enemies of Christians. <clears throat> By just staying quiet in your homes and <clears throat> keeping to yourself and not not intervening, it becomes a very dangerous situation for all of us. Speak up. Speak up. In a, in a Christian and loving and patient way, speak up. Okay. Um, I want to talk, too, about where David goes. Where does he end up going after this? So, so this horrible thing happens. <clears throat> okay. Wait, maybe he already did it. Did he already do it? At the maybe very I was, beginning. Uh, the very beginning. Yes. To yeah, yeah. Mitzvah. Why does David think that he can go to Moab for shelter? Family ties. Yes! Oh, I'm, oh. okay, can I do it? All right. Uh, very good. He did it. Why family ties? Great great grandma Ruth was from Moab. Ding, ding, ding. Wins another prize. Ruth the Moabite. Now, I will also say that I think it has to do with what I said earlier. They're all sniffing blood in the water. All of these enemies of Saul, who now has a formidable army. He has a, he has a formidable presence here. <clears throat> there, has been, there has been warfare now in which they have suffered. They're all smelling blood in the water here. Now, David is showing up in Moab, saying, hey, I'm here. I think the, the, the rulers there are like, ah, same thing. Friend, <clears throat> the enemy of our enemy is our friend. So the intervention in the Middle East of... With, with rebels started long before the United States ever got involved. So nothing new under the sun, potentially. Uh, <laughs> but it's right? going to end now. Right, it's right, all right. over. Yeah, you don't understand. No problems there anymore. I also noticed, like, Saul, like, yeah. they are, uh, like, finally a un united uh -huh. uh, kingdom of 12 tribes. Mm -hmm. However, when Saul is talking, he's like, all about Benjamin, the men of Benjamin, and oh, is this man from Judah going to help you Benjamites out when he becomes king? Kind of. Yeah. So it's like not as united as maybe they're trying to present it as, because it seems mm -hmm. like since Saul is from Benjamin, Benjamin is more favored. What happens when you start to see cracks in the opposition? You get your chisel out start to get your chisel out and go, oh, there's a crack there. Let's hit that crack a little bit more. Oh, there's a crack there. Let's start to hit that crack a little more. Let's divide and conquer. Let's divide them. <clears throat> let's hit them where it hurts. Let's figure out what their weakness is and let's attack that. Okay. Well, what closing, what closing comments or thoughts do we have today about all of this? How should I apply this to my life? Careful of lying. Yeah. Lies of consequences. Okay. That you may not see. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I listened to a sermon this week from Watermark Church in Dallas, mm -hmm. and there was a quote in there said, words have meanings, ideas or actions have consequences, and bad ideas have victims. Mm. I'll pretend to write all that. That was really That's, good. Okay. I just thought I love that. And I think like what James has been saying. Love that. Like, be self-reflective. Love <laughs> I th it. I think <coughs> very few people are self-reflective. Yes. We like to say like, oh no, my husband's being a jerk or my wife's being naggy or, you know, like it's not my mm -hmm. fault that like things aren't going well. It's, <coughs> these things are making me act this way. And then it's like, no, you need to be self-reflective and ask God, like point out the things in me that I uh -huh. need to change to make things you know, what you want. There's a, so I'm translating, I know, I'm weird. I'm translating the New Testament from Greek into English. Um, and too. I did, uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> hey, we should get together Wednesday night. Let's do it. Coffee. I know. It's not weird. Everyone's doing it. And I ran, and so I'm doing the book. I did, I did four epistles this week. I don't know how I did it. Um, first, second, third John and Jude. I, the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, Jude is a very interesting a letter. Read it. Read it sometime. I don't. I think Jude is under, under. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, it's it's not really focused on because it sits so close to Revelation, which is this powerful. You know, has this huge impact on the church and this and that. And you're like, well, I'm at Jude. Let me just read Revelation. Um, <clears throat> Jude is really interesting. They have this word in Jude, and Jude also very educated. Uh, and again, as I as I start to do this, I start to realize who the authors are who are writing the New Testament. The author of John is a very simple, straightforward. A communicating fellow, <clears throat> Jude is an educated man. He has all these words I hadn't read before, and so I've, I've been complaining all week to my poor wife about all these new words I have to learn because I didn't know them before. One of them is the word for a complainer, memsimoiris. It means essentially blaming your fate. And, and that's, that's why I got to this. Uh, there was a long, <laughs> circuitous route to why I was talking about this. Um, <clears throat> he, he mentions it in a list of things that are kind of detestable. <clears throat> The people who complain, the complainers, who blame fate. That's exactly what that word means, to blame, blame their lot in life. Folks, that's a sin. It's a sin. Jude said it's one of the worst things. That's, that's a sign of someone who is amongst your midst who you need to really focus on and either really needs to turn their life around or needs to get the boot. People who blame their fate. How many people complain in our society today? We all have a choice. Yeah. You know. I'll have a choice. You know. So if you're unhappy, yeah. Don't just blame somebody. Yeah. Like do do something about it. There you go. Take action. <clears throat> you know whether it's Take praying action. or yes. you know. Yes. And not just taking action, but, but, but really, in a sense, the, it's kind of the, it, let's point the arrow back, right? You know, yeah. the whole thing, I'm pointing at you, but I got three fingers pointing at me. That's actually true, right? Anytime you blame someone else for something, you've got three times as much blame to, to heap upon yourself. Examine yourself. Who said that? I think, Laura, be self-reflective. Be self-reflective. I spent many, many <coughs> of my adult years just blaming my dad. Yeah. So, and it was just so easy, um, you know, didn't know how to, you know, sink the spark plug wires on my truck. Yeah. Because my dad didn't teach me. <clears throat> didn't know, you know, things were going bad with my wife. Well, because my, you know, if my dad would have had a good marriage that modeled, you yeah. know, godly 
husbandry and blah, 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 you know. I just blame my dad, blame my dad, blame my dad, blame my dad. No matter what it was, mm-hmm. you know. Look at it, I'm not very good at work. Ah, it's because my dad didn't show me how to work. Didn't matter. It Why? Just didn't Why matter. did you blame your dad? Because he was. Because it was easy. Yes. Because it was easy. Because <laughs> it didn't mean I. It, was, it wasn't my fault. Less pain for you. Yeah, you didn't have to take any responsibility. Yes. For what's happening in your life. Yes. I mean, I got to a point. I got to a point. I can tell you exactly. I was standing around a campfire, smoking a cigar with my best two friends, in Colorado at a John Eldridge <coughs> retreat, and. You know, I'm crabbing, moaning about, uh, you know, if my dad would have just blah, blah, blah. And they're like, dude, when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop? I'm like, what do you mean? I don't blame my dad for everything. They're, they're like, yeah, you pretty much blame your dad for everything. And they said, <clears throat> I said, well, mm-hmm. maybe now, you know? Yeah. And uh, so the, we started praying and came together and started kind of, it was spiritual warfare time and it was heavy and it was I didn't want to let go of it and eventually got to this point where I got this visual that God that I had this crutch that I've been limping around on all my adult life and God came up and kicked it and I could physically watch that thing go up over the mountain nice and for me that was like I guess I'm done I don't get I don't get to do that anymore and I quit blaming him. Nice. And all of a sudden, I start to take responsibility for myself. I and realize it. that I'm not <laughs> such a screw up. Yeah. You know, I'm just a human. And these things that I don't know how to do is just because I don't know how to do them. It's okay. Ken, I love you because you actually have like good real world examples. I only have public <laughs> service announcements. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'll get an opportunity. Yeah, movie analysis. <laughs> you will have that opportunity soon. I would guess. I hope. I hope. Uh, and maybe I don't. But here's, here's what I'm saying. You know, brought to you by, by you know, your local public service announcement, it's like credit card debt. It's easy to, to spend money on your credit card because it's less pain. <clears throat> Give them the plastic, you get, you get the present, right? You are, you are pushing the cost of that to the future in which there will be a much greater cost than in the present if you do that. Blaming others is only punting the ball it's only kicking that can down the road that will only hurt you far worse in the future if you let it. Who knows what would have happened if David had told the truth at Nob. We know that it was already ordained that the children of Eli would be wiped out, except for Abimelech. And that it was already prophesied that would happen, but this gets into the cause and effect you know, Star Trek thing where you're like, well, that's because David was going to lie in the future. I don't know. What I do know is that lies and blame and lack of self-reflection lead to a far worse future for yourself and far more pain than if you just deal with it now. Just deal with it now. Get it over with. Do your homework. Clean your dishes. Because, like, Make he, your bed. Right? <laughs> in, in this example, like when David realizes what he did, he does say, I'm responsible for the death. Yeah. And he says, come with me and I'll help you yeah. out. Whereas like a few chapters ago, Saul yeah. didn't kill all the yeah. you know, Amalekites. And God comes to him and says, hey, you didn't kill all the Amalekites. Well, uh, but I did. Yeah. And he's like, and he lies but to you himself. didn't. Yes, you know, he like, lies to himself. You can't. Yeah. So it's just a contrast. Well, today's soapbox has been brought to you by the chapters 21 <laughs> and 22. Um, and it's kind of interesting because this part of 1 Samuel really is, it's weird. But it's, it's convicting. It's really convicting and, and in many ways shows the heart of David. 
It shows the heart of Saul, and it shows our heart. I think that's that's the hardest stuff in the Bible to read. I don't know about you guys, and it's not just the names. Uh, it's it's the stuff that convicts me, and that's the stuff I don't really want to read because then it it really it's a mirror, and I and and who wants to look in the mirror and see the faults, right? Somewhere in Psalms it says that God walks with the contrite and lowly. Yeah. Contrite meaning the, the self-reflective. The, yep. The, I recognize this is, no matter how bad and <coughs> stupid and all the yep. crap that I've done, when I own up to it, he still walks right with yeah. me through it. Yeah. I love that. You Thank know, you. The, the people uh, asked for a king, right? Mm-hmm. And God finally gave them Saul. Yep. And they finally, you know, obviously, they realized we messed well, it doesn't say this all the time. Mm-hmm. They messed up. And God is allowing this to play out. Yeah. All the damage from yeah. decisions that they wanted. And they're going through it. And how easy would it have been to, for them to blame God when God is just allowing the consequences of their own sin to teach them a lesson? Mm-hmm. I totally agree with this. I think the hardest thing to understand yeah. maybe in life is yeah. why do bad things happen, evil things happen to good people? good people you know God has never promised following him will be uh, a free ticket from persecution in fact it's almost the opposite that you can bet there's going to be persecution here now those priests didn't do anything wrong you know they were totally innocent the kids were innocent but yet God allowed the evil to hurt them We'll stop there. (laughs) We'll, We'll pick this up next week. Thanks for joining us.